This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is episode number 65. Got Nate back in here with me today. We're going to talk a little bit about Iowa coming up. I know I've been talking about that a little bit, but I want to go see what he's thinking on it and kind of expectations for this year and what we're looking forward to. And then we'll talk about some stuff that you've got going on mm-hmm. as far as projects. We've mentioned them a little bit. We haven't really got too far into it. Uh, we'll talk about some ideas you've got. Um like we said before, we're constantly trying to improve on stuff. And yeah. every time, every season, it seems like you come up with more stuff that you think could be better. Mm-hmm. And every time you change something, it changes the way they act too. So then you make adjustments off of that. So we got some ideas on some stuff for that. I got a few things coming up this week that I was going to have done already, but had some stuff happen. Uh, then we'll talk, maybe get into a little bit about spring planning and general plans for that and some different ways I'm thinking I might try some stuff. <clears throat> that I've done in the past a little bit, but not big scale. That I might try to scale up some this year, on some at least on some client properties, and then uh, on some of my own too. So, and I got the cabin project too that we can talk about because I've I've got so many different ideas on what to do with that, and whether or not it's going to get done remains to be seen again. But it probably just depends on how the rest of this month goes. So, Iowa is the third through the fifth. Mm-hmm of March. So if you guys have never been up there and you've got the time to take a day or two that Friday or Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, really, if you go on Sunday, you can get some decent deals on stuff. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to go Saturday, Sunday, you could go see everything Saturday and then go up Sunday and catch everybody closing down, trying to get rid of stuff so they don't have to pack at home Yes, and maybe catch some deals on some stuff. Cause there's a lot of cool products up there from different companies, but it's a really good show. I thought from last year being there and just from hearing guys talk about it in the past, so I would really recommend going up there and checking it out, whether you come see us or not. Go up there. I forget what the ticket price is, but it ain't bad at all. I think it's probably, I'm definitely going to say less than 30 bucks, but maybe quite a bit less than that too. I'm not sure. They're going to have some cool seminars up there. I was telling Nate before, Nick Munt's going to be there. I'll try to look up and see who else is going to be there because there's a couple other big names, but I don't remember who was doing the seminars last time because we were pretty busy down on the main floor. Mm-hmm. This year we're going to be up by those yeah. and the antler display. So I don't know. We may catch some people going in and out, talk to them what they thought about them and all that. We're definitely going to try to do another podcast there. Mm-hmm. We are having some uh, technical difficulties with our board right now, though. So we're going to use the one that we used in the past. So I don't know how the audio quality is going to really turn out it should be okay still i think but i was talking about on the last one i think being up there on the upper level we still should have a decent chance to see quite a few people because mm-hmm. we're by the seminars and the displays and yeah. i think we'll catch some people going in and out of there but i would recommend everybody that goes to it go check out the antler displays because oh, yeah. i thought that was one of the coolest things there yep there's a <laughs> lot of big deer there mm-hmm. a lot of them and sheds too yep what was that one it was like 300 Two hundred seventy something inches or three hundred inch. Oh man, I don't know. They had that all dead kinds head that was up there. It was two like two seventy eight or something. Yeah, they had all kinds of them. I mean, big ones. Yeah, yeah, and that's just they've got uh, their big buck contest, which they do every year, which mm-hmm. people who like attendees and stuff can enter their buck into. Mm-hmm. And then they've got their Hall of Fame, 
Yep. Which is just a bunch of big deer from all over, mm-hmm. shoulder mounts. And then they've got, like I said, they've got the shed displays too, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. You can see all these massive sheds that guys have found. And there was some really cool full body stuff up there too. Even out in the uh, we're lobby kind of area, yeah. there was some yeah. cool full body stuff. But then there was some up there in that part too, which I thought was cool. And some of just the mounts their self i thought was cool because like that one with the snow on it mm-hmm. on his back he was kind of turned and yeah there's some really cool mounts up there you can see some pretty good taxidermy work so i thought even if we weren't doing it you know it would be really cool show just to go to as a as an attendee and, and yeah. look around and get in on some they've got a ton of good raffles up there and stuff mm-hmm. get some markdown stuff prices and that you can see all the it's a lot of new stuff that's coming out you know yeah so, as far as hunting products wise, definitely. Yep, and a lot of guys are on TV, uh, uh, big names in the industry. You know, a lot of them are there. Mm-hmm. With that one. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were relatively close to the Heartland Bow Hunter, or not Heartland Bow Hunter, Midwest Whitetail booth. They think they were one row over from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those guys I saw were there. Uh, what was the big one in the middle? The public land guys. You remember who that was? Nah. I don't. I wish I could. White tail adrenaline. Is that them? Maybe. That sound right. They had a huge booth in the middle. Yeah. They were there were a lot of them there too. Um. I'm trying to find these names here. David and Jeff Lindsay, George Lynch, Tom Nelson. I can't remember which one it was that I saw other than Nick Muntz on there that I recognized. David anyway, and Jeff Lindsay, that's the Lindsay way, isn't it? Is that those guys? These guys are from Delta McKenzie, so. Oh. I don't know. Anyways, there'll be a lot of good ones up there. They were doing repetitively, so if you miss one one day, you can catch it the next day. Mm-hmm. Like I think the one I saw today, I think Munt is going to be talking to my campfire thing. Probably similar to what we do for our campfire episode, telling yeah. some stories and stuff. Yeah. But he's going to do it on maybe Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. so you can catch either one. You know, and I'm sure it'll be a little bit different, but. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be entertaining. Oh yeah. It's a it's a good place to go and mingle with some other deer hunters too and like he's like you said, bigger name guys, you can go and talk to them and, and see what they've got going on and most of them up there, if they're at the show, they're there to talk to people. Mm-hmm. If you got questions about stuff you're doing, there's a lot of people who and I'm sure they'd say the same thing that are more knowledgeable than the guys you see on TV that you don't even know. Oh, yeah, for like sure. Like the guy that talked about the forester that was up there yep. that we were talking about, that you were asking about your ash trees and all that. Yep. And that guy would be a wealth of knowledge to talk to if you had forestry questions Yeah. or what to do in your timber. Yeah. There's a lot of guys like that up there, too, with different organizations and stuff. So definitely a show worth going to, and we'll be there again this year. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about being back up there. Yep, me too. Even – where we're going to be at, I think it'll be a different experience than it was last year mm-hmm. because of the booth location, but I think it'll be cool still. Yeah. And it'll be a little more off by ourselves. I don't know how many booths they're going to put up there, mm-hmm. but I know I talked to John uh, up there at, that works for them, and they're full up. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of vendors up there to, to look at and check out, and we'll try to mingle around and talk to some guys too, I'm sure. So. Mm-hmm. And hopefully not get blown away by a tornado. Yeah, last year that was the deal. We had yeah. a little bit of a... Well, it wasn't far from there because we saw some of the debris and stuff when we were on our way home. Yeah. Driving through. Yeah. Where that thing dripped through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it wasn't 10 miles 
yeah. south of yeah, Des Moines. I, yeah, I thought they said it was about six miles south of downtown. Mm-hmm. No, well, here we are in this big metal building. Yep. Yep. We made it though. Yep. We made it. So, hopefully, we don't have that issue this year. I don't know what if it's going to be cold as it was last year. It was pretty cold mm-hmm. there last year with the wind whipping through. But yeah, I'm sure in the middle of Iowa, it's going to be colder than it is here. But. I'm looking forward to it. Jeff's going to be up there this year, at least as of right now. So we'll have yeah. the whole crew. Yeah. So it, all you ladies that have been just dying to meet him, <laughs> or guys, whatever, <laughs> you can come up there and see him. And, uh, yeah, he's no different in person than he is on the podcast. So <laughs> just be forewarned. That'll be fun. We'll be able to have everybody up there. We'll. I'd like to have a guest on while we're up there, but we'll mm-hmm. just see how that works out. Uh, if... Some of the guys that we work with are going to be there. Maybe talk to them. I know that Rodney and them are going to be up at the uh, Illinois show, which we didn't do last year. Uh, it's the beginning of April, he said. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I will look into that just depending on how Iowa goes. But I think that'd probably be a good one to go to also. I was telling you guys last year when I was at the Deer and Beer Fest, the guy from Publicly Challenged was next to us, and he was telling me that the Deer and Turkey Classic was a Big hit again last year. They've yeah. had it for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that they had shut it down for a couple of years for COVID. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And I guess they brought it back last year, and yeah. I haven't seen anything about it this year because uh-uh. I was planning on maybe going to that one because he yeah. said it looked like it was packed. Yeah. He said he didn't go to it and set up but because he was out of town and coming back through, but when he was on his way back through, he drove by it and mm-hmm. saw it was just packed. He thought yeah. he should have set up there. Yeah. But I haven't seen anything on it, so mm-hmm. – I don't know. Maybe we'll go to Illinois. Maybe not. The It's in Peoria, I believe. The Illinois Deer Classic is. I think so. I think the Deer in Turkey was the one in Bloomington, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how Iowa goes and then play it by ear there. I know last year we didn't end up making it to Illinois, but still the Iowa show I thought was really good. It's going to be a good two and a half days up there. Mm-hmm. Sitting around meeting people. That's fun to me, too, is to get to talk to people who again are kind of like-minded and just you can pick their brain they can ask you questions about stuff mm-hmm. i know last year set up with the consulting stuff we got to talk to several people about stuff they had going on mm-hmm. uh, some questions they had this year will be more towards the podcast but we'll still maybe i'll have some business cards and stuff up there for that but mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to meeting a lot of people and hopefully getting the name uh getting the podcast out there a little bit more too yeah i know last year we saw a considerable bump from being up there so mm-hmm. if anybody's still listening to this from last march uh, i was gonna say i don't know why you're here but <laughs> we appreciate it uh yeah we'll try to get some more I, even from being at uh, the deer and beer fest and then there at iowa last year we've got some guys who potential guests who to meet to get mm-hmm. on the show so maybe we'll meet some people that we can get on i still have a whole list of guys that once we can get in here more consistently, I'm going to try to schedule out and have on. Yeah, like I've got 10 or 12 guys now that have said they'll be on anytime. Yeah. We can work it out. So, yep. I don't know. You got to know maybe one or two guys that would potentially be interested. Potential candidates. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that'll be good too if we meet some new people to bring on here. Mm-hmm. But what was your, I know we talked about it a little bit last year, but what was your favorite part of the show last year? Ooh. I had been to shows a lot, mm-hmm. oh, probably close to 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and some other guys, we would make, gosh, we'd probably go to, I don't know, four or five big shows. I mean, 
Iowa, Illinois, Ohio. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, Nate used to be a DVD slash TV star. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, we uh, we made the circle for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we hit, uh, we had a trailer, and like whoever was going, you know, you just go and you pick up the trailer, mm-hmm. and then those three or four guys, they'd sit up the booth, you know, mm-hmm. um, bring the trailer back, and then the next weekend, you know, you were going somewhere else. Yep. Um, and a lot of the time, you'd see the same guys at every show. Yeah. You know, they're doing the same thing. Correct. Yep. Um, I mean, is a is a traveling road show. <laughs> um, I mean, you, each state would have its own, you know, local. Yeah. population that have booths but yeah but a lot of these guys you know you'd see them at every show and, and you'd talk to them you'd see them at restaurants afterwards you know mm-hmm. um so that was really fun uh back then of course that was like back in my college days um i uh i didn't have very many responsibilities <laughs> you know um so uh as long as i wasn't missing too much class like i would just take off and i'd go you know mm-hmm. i didn't have anything else to do uh so that was a lot of fun hadn't been to any shows like that for a long time till last year so it was just nice being back yeah. um because I remember I, I always had a blast, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. so it was fun being being back and seeing all that. Um, and they did have a great antler display up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I uh, It was fun. I mean, seeing the people come through, you know, they just, they want to see everything. Seeing the kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Christmas morning for them. <laughs> it you know, is. For like four or five hours as they walk through there, yep. you know. And then they got their arms loaded down with stuff that they picked up, you know, and they can't hardly go. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. But, yeah, it, uh, oh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's a lot of good people there. Yep. You know, I mean, you, there's there's a whole lot of people like us that you run into there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a steady stream of people there, too. Mm-hmm. I've been to some shows where you're just dead. I mean, like, nobody. Yeah. Like, the doors open and ten people rush through, and then that was your that was it for, like, the weekend. Yeah. That's like, no good. No, it was not. But Iowa, I mean, there was guys there. There were people through there every day. And then even at Deer Beer Fest, it was really good for a day and a half of it. It was really good. And I know they're going to do some improvements. Got an email from Cole up there. They've got a lot of things they're going to work to make better, mm-hmm. which I think he's doing a good job of trying to improve that show every year. They're going to do some more stuff, change some stuff around, eliminate some stuff, add some new stuff. So I think it'll be good this year, too. I'm planning on going to that one in August again. Mm-hmm. That one you were talking about, the kids, me and Rod were set up in the booth, and there's a mom and a dad, and they've got two or three little ones. One of them small enough to be in a stroller, and they were pushing them around. And of course, they got the cup holders on the stroller, and another one was probably five, four, five, six, somewhere in there, and the little boy. And mom and dad stopped, and we're looking in this booth. Well, dad just put his beer in that cup holder on the back of that stroller there, and here come the little five or six year old. And he'd all but got that thing in his hands and was about to knock uh. it back. <laughs> Someone turned around and saw him and got it from him. Uh. Uh, me and Rod were just going to enjoy the show and see the look <laughs> on that kid's face when he realized that one in juice. <laughs> uh, uh. He was all about it, though. But yeah, they had a big time. That's, that's fun to see, too, as people getting out there and getting the youth involved. Yeah. That's a big thing to me. A lot, of, like even people our age, my age and your age and in between, and a little bit younger than me, I don't think there's as much interest in outdoors as there was at one time. Way more in electronics. Exactly. And it's just getting worse and worse all the time. Yeah. I mean, you look at people who now, kids that are 7, 10 years old, whatever, all the way up 15 high school, they're not. I mean, they're in our community, it's probably more than a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we're in a farm community, small town, yeah. southern Illinois. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of places where, especially I'm sure in like Des Moines, Iowa, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of kids getting outdoors and doing that stuff. Yeah. So it's good to see them bringing them and getting them involved in it, and it gets them excited about it. Yep. Being at the show, it's not like sitting in a tree in 30 degrees and freezing your butt off to not see anything. Yeah. It gets them at least excited about the sport of it and everything that's going on. So uh, that's a cool part of it, too, that I think gets overlooked because we do – as a group, I think need to do a better job of getting youth involved, which comes back to, I could get on my soapbox about that, about hunters not being as hard on each other as we are. I think we're probably mm-hmm. our own worst enemy. Yeah. Which I did a podcast almost completely on that, all the keyboard warriors in the hunting industry. Yeah. Which is pretty disappointing. But anyway, that's a topic for another time we'll talk about. Uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to being up there. And doing that again, I would like to do more shows like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Have a trailer at some point if the podcast grows enough. I would like to do that because that's a good way to meet people and get the name out there. And you see yeah. some of the bigger guys that are at all those shows. Oh yeah, you know, like the the working class bow hunter guys. Mm-hmm. They've been at every show I've been to except one. Yeah, uh, that was a really bad one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I won't say which one it was because it was the like one of the first shows after COVID. So yeah. But I haven't been back there since. <laughs> but, yeah, you see all those guys out going and doing that. I think it's a really good way to grow the podcast and have people interact with people who listen and, yeah. and all that stuff. And it's a lot of fun, too. So oh, yeah. if at some point I could make it to where we could get to more shows without having to worry about uh, other work commitments, mm-hmm. then I would like to do that. But that will be remain to be seen in the future. So that's Iowa. Again, it's the 3rd through 5th of March. We'll talk about it more, but until we get there, I'm sure we'll talk about it all the way up to that. Uh, hopefully we'll get Jeff and Dad back in here at some point to talk about it too because I know they're looking forward to it as well. Jeff wasn't able to make it last year, so he's really looking forward to it this year. I think mostly he's looking forward to a free stay in a hotel and dinner and all that. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Nope. So we'll talk about it, I'm sure, plenty between now and then. Now, you're mentioning your project, which we'd hit on before maybe a couple times. A new spot for potential food mm-hmm. and doing some stuff with some cover. You're saying you've got some stuff mowed out and you're thinking about doing some more burning this year? Yep. Um, uh, so last year I did a little bit. Um, I added one good food plot, one big food plot. They use it the way I thought they would. Um, I've got about 100 acres to play with. Um, for, uh, just for hunting, um, which is great. That's a lot more than a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got about a hundred acres to play with. Um, I'm going to say 30 of it isn't, uh, I'm not really trying to do too much with because it's up around, uh, house place and everything, Yeah, you know, so I ain't, I ain't going to try to get too wild there. Uh, but everything that's left, um, I have two Creek systems, uh, that run through um, this piece. Uh, I'm trying to do everything I can um, to better with what it is. I've got very little woods. Uh, you've seen the woods I got. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say I've got I've got one seven acre patch of woods um, and then just brushy creeks uh, that connect. You know, and the seven acres is relatively mature. Yeah, it is through most of it. Down yeah. on that one end is not quite. Yeah. Uh, what end would that be? Where me and you sat mm-hmm. the first time we hunted together. Yeah. 
the west end, mm-hmm. the far west edge. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of those trees aren't too big, but the east end is very mature, mainly white oaks. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, it's mature and open. The west end uh, is where it starts rolling a little bit. Um, there's two draws that connect with a couple little uh, gullies off of those. Uh, the west end is <clears throat> what I need to try to focus on, I think. Uh, I want the east end to be alone. I want to be able to hunt the east end mm-hmm. uh, carefully around the food plots that I've already got established and uh, the acorns that are in the woods. You know, they mess around on them yeah. uh, when they're in there. Uh, but the west end, um, there's not as many, there's very few white oaks over there. There's a couple on the nor- very north end up there toward the stand where we sat. Um, but down on the, on the rolling hills and stuff, um, there's, uh, there's junkier trees. Um, of course the ash trees are dying. Um, mm-hmm. there's no real softwood in there to speak of. Um, but I'm going to try hinge cutting, uh, I don't know, three or four piles in there, I think, mm-hmm. over about three acres. Um, maybe maybe not quite that much, uh, that big of an area. But anyway, if I can get three or four uh, piles in there, I need it thicker. Mm-hmm. I really do. I want to try to make a good bedding area there on those ridges, um, which I think I can, uh, but I need to try to make a good bedding area there. Um, based on the little change I did last year um, and how it worked, if I can somehow get to where the deer moving on my place can move from food to bedding to food to bedding. Um, that's what I would like to try to set it up as mm-hmm. um, with solid travel corridors in between. That's my goal um, in in what I've got there, the two creek systems. Um, I'm wanting to plant uh, about three acres of native grass, switchgrass, native grass, uh, blue stem, Indian grass. I'd like to do that. It's kind of on a hillside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I know exactly where the bucks will bed. Um, the way that is, I think they'll bed on up on the top. Um, oh, up the hill from the creek crossing. I think they'll bed up there on that top. Um, there's a little briar patch there, which would be right on the edge. Um, it'd be on the downwind side of the of the native grass patch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think they'd bed on that hill right there. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, that's what they're going to do. Uh, but if I have if I can get that in there and have another good bedding area, a new bedding area that's never been there before, um, that would connect the potential new big food plot that I'd put in to the new one from last year. Um, but uh, uh, I'd like to put in two to three acres of maybe corn or milo is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I could even do both. Maybe, yeah. It'd be hard to keep the, the weeds and stuff down yeah. with the milo in there too. but Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to do beans because I think they just destroy the beans. I don't think I'd have enough beans to actually ever get ahead of the deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just keep them mowed down all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think I'm going to do, probably I will do Milo, I think, yeah. um, for the first time. Cause I don't think they're going to mess with it when it's growing. Not, no, they generally don't. Um, weeds could be a problem, but I think I'll take it. Well, I should say grass. The weeds you should be able to. Yeah. I yeah. believe yeah. you can spray uh, 2,4-D on Milo. No, yeah. you have to double check me on that. But yeah. I know you can't spray it for grass with any cleft or anything around mm-hmm. it because it, it'll kill it. I'll smoke it. Yep. Um, but yeah. So that's one thing. And that may be something where you want to do, maybe you do do corn this year, mm-hmm. and then you see, well, number one, you can get a good kill on it, and then mm-hmm. you have a good seed bed for next year. And that's two, true. you can see if you're going to have grass problems or not. Yeah. Because we've planted Milo before, 
in an area where we weren't really sure what was going to come up after we disked it. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually had been planted before, a part of it. Mm-hmm. But the Johnson grass was unbelievably thick there. Yeah. So we planted Milo into it, and we couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. So that would give you an idea, too, of what's going to be there, potentially. Yeah. Just natural growth. That's and true. And then it would give you a year to get ahead of it. Yeah. That's and then true. you could do Milo next year. Yeah. Or maybe the corn works out great and you want to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could do the same thing the other way, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could plant the Milo, and then if it doesn't work out and you do have a bunch of grass in it and you want to do the corn next year, you could do the corn next year. But Yeah. Um, I know I'm going to have – I should have corn right next to me, right across the fence mm-hmm. uh, in the crop field um, because they uh, they should be on corn this year. Yeah. Um, I talked to the neighbor, and he says that he thinks that's what they're going to do. Um, but the farmer – I've not talked to the farmer yet, but the neighbor that owns the ground, he said mm-hmm. he thinks that that's what they're going to do. Yep. Um, Until but, uh, middle October, at least, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, that would give me, um, I got good bedding uh, off of my property on the neighbors. Um, there's a good spot down there, but then I've got food pretty close to that f- to draw them because they always hid. Uh, for the destination food in the evening, um, they come up through me anyway, so mm-hmm. I, I'm pulling them out sooner with the food plot that I got down there mm-hmm. um, that I put in this year. Uh, it would be, I don't know, 150, 200 yards away from that would be where the uh, the little thickets, uh, the the native grass patch would be. I don't know how big that would be this year. I don't think it would be super impressive this year, um, but i I got to get it started at some point. Yeah, it's depending on how you take care of it and stuff, you might get a little bit out of it, but mm-hmm. it generally takes a couple of years, three yeah. years to get that stuff up to where you're going to want it to be. Yeah. But if you never start it, you never get there. True. You got to start at some point. Yep. Um, I know it's better than, uh, uh, like it used to be a hay patch. Uh, yeah. It used to be a hay patch, and it's not, uh, I don't think they've bailed it for two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's not much there for them. Uh, but it does have the brushy creek there next to it. I don't think they use it too much mm-hmm. uh, because the the brushy part of the creek is a west-facing slope. Um, they're not really wanting to sit there and eat wind, you know, right. too bad. Um, right. But uh, but if I can plate that on the other on the other hillside, that'll be an east-facing slope, um, and then around to somewhat of a south-facing slope, southeast anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they would use that well. Then. I would have a food plot that just jams right up to that. Um, I mean, all that would separate it is a little, a uh, little bit of a fence line. Yep. Um, and then which for, creates a pretty good edge too. Yes. Uh, I think they'd mess around on that fence line quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be loaded with uh, with scrapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when it gets to be that time, um, the food plot would connect to the east end of the little patch of timber, um, which is white oaks and everything. It's somewhat of a triangle patch of woods. The east end is the uh, comes down to a point, mm-hmm. uh, so that should be a heck of a travel corridor between that and the thick. What I'm going to make thick on the west end of that woods, um, and then that drops off in the other creek bottom, uh, and that would turn them back. Uh, it would make a horseshoe headed back to what I talked about being the first uh, first good bedding area mm-hmm. off of me on the neighbors. Um, that would lead them back. Uh, three-eighths of a mile away, uh, but back toward that uh, that big woods down there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, that would somewhat connect the creeks. In my mind, that would somewhat connect the creeks, give them a solid travel corridor across, uh, you know, connecting the creeks there uh, through the east end of that little woods 
um, that should be a really, it's already a decent travel corridor. You know, they, they move through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I got that food and then that, the new bedding right there, um, off of that, I think, I really think they'll use it good. That's what I was just about to say. I think the, if you can get all that in and it works out, mm-hmm. I think the east end of that woods with your oaks in there between the food and the bedding mm-hmm. could be really good. Cause that, the south plot's not far from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so, uh, it would be, it'd be 120, 150 yards yeah. from the new food plot. So you're potentially plot. catching them moving between food plot to food plot to bedding to food. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, coming and eating the acorns in there before they're going out to the food yeah. plot, before they're going out to the destination field. I could just see that being a really hot place for deer movement all afternoon. Mm-hmm. I know? think I think the east end of the Northwoods would be a, a really good hub. Mm-hmm. Even in the mornings too, in the right mm-hmm. at the right time of year, catching them coming back later, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're go- of course if you got your does moving in there eating during the rut, you're going to be in a pretty good spot for your bucks to be cruising that area. Yep. Which potentially with your between the bedding, if you get the right wind and your food, there could definitely be a lot of cruising activity through that part of that woods because mm-hmm. the bucks are going to know that the does are likely either bedded up or in one of those food plots, yeah, or even in there eating on acorns, and they're going to be. It's going to be a pretty hot spot for them to cut trails, I would think. Yep. To come in there and cruise for does. Yeah. Um, I uh, really, I, I, want, I think I'm going to try it. I really do. It'll, it'll take a decent amount of time and work mm-hmm. and money. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it could be good. I really do. Um, the grass, once I get it established, it takes care of itself. Yep. Um, for the most part. Yep. Uh, what fire every three years i think yeah you probably want to at least mow it the first couple years Mm -hmm. and then after that you generally mow it the first two or three years Mm -hmm. and then after that or you can burn it too but mowing just just mowing does just as good at that point and then every generally it's every three years after that yeah you burn it down and let it go for three years so it's pretty Pretty low maintenance once you get it established. Mm-hmm. And you can spray in that stuff, too. Obviously, you can spray your 2,4-D or whatever for weeds and mm-hmm. give your grass a little bit better chance to grow. Yeah. So, uh, I had heard that it's important, very important, to make sure that you have uh, no competition of anything uh, when you plant it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd need to, you know, do all I can to get that dirt turned over, let whatever's going to grow, grow, and then yep. kill it. Kill it out. It. Yep. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that's my plan so far. Um, I think I'm going to do a lot of hinge cutting. I've got a lot of black oaks in there um, yeah. on the west end of that north woods. Um, I don't think they're going to hinge good. Right. Um, but I got to do something. I got I got to open that canopy somehow. Mm-hmm. And those are the the biggest trees, and they're like I don't know. They're probably twenty inch trees, twenty inches through. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe a few bigger than that, but. Most of them are about that size and a little smaller. Yeah. Um, of course, the all the trees on the east end, they're they're bigger. I mean, mature, big mature trees. Right. Yeah. Um, but the west end on those on those little slopes and stuff over there, uh, that's mainly what I'm looking at. And I got to get that open, mm-hmm. uh, the canopy open. That way, I can try to get something growing yeah. down low. Get some browse and some cover for them. Yep. Yep. That will I want to stay in there. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll give you even hunting back on your east end too. That'll give you on the right winds, two different places that you can hunt that particular, the deer that are bedding in that area. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Um, cause I've got, uh, I've got three stands there in the North woods. Um, I mean, right on the very edge cause it's so small. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, where I would put the hinge cut is um, is on the ridges and everything. I don't think they just want to bed up there on the on the flat top. Right. Um, I'd rather give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of terrain to use, you know, mm-hmm. um, to bed over in there. Uh, and then I think I think I'd be about eighty yards away uh, with that south stand. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be about eighty yards away from the edge of what would start being thick. So if I'm sneaky, that might be just enough. Which is, yeah. I mean, you see a lot of guys that uh, do the public ground hunting or whatever or just trying to slip in on a bedding area. Mm-hmm. Really, about 75 yards is probably as close as you want to get. You can get, if you have the right wind, if it's like 10, 15 mile an hour sustained and it's out of the right direction, yeah. you can slip up there pretty darn close. Yeah. So where you're at, 80 yards, I think it's probably pretty good place to be i'm probably uh, looking at my physique i'm probably more of a 125 yard kind of guy well but, if you got the right wind you can narrow <laughs> you can shorten that distance but yep i uh uh that's as tight as i want to be to them mm-hmm. um with that south stand um they shouldn't see me at all on that north stand i'll be far enough away um on the on the north plot and then over there on the west side where we hunted um that's down over the ridge they should never be able to see me um specifically i'm i'm hanging low in that tree i'm only mm-hmm. about 15 feet high um so i i want to i can't get any higher than that because i am pretty close to them there right i mean we're talking like 60 yards there but it's over you know I, i'm down low mm-hmm. and they're they're up over the hill on the other yeah. side you know so i've never had problems there i had problems there when i was about 20 feet high <laughs> yeah because i'd crawl in and then they'd all see me and they'd run you're right you know? right i mean it that happened Every time, go figure, right? <laughs> you <laughs> they know, can see you, they're going to bail out. They're laying sixty yards away, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Ah, oh, there he is." Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so when I when I hinge cut in there before, it really worked for like two years, but then I didn't do near enough. Yeah. Um. I we only probably cut I don't know ten twelve trees. Um. It shaded back in so fast, you mm-hmm. know. So anyway, this time I really got to open that canopy, uh, in at least a couple of good spots. Uh, yeah. To, to really try to let some light in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I messed up the first time. Uh, there are a couple of trees that are still living. Um, they've, I mean, you know, grown good uh, branches, you know, mm-hmm. up on the horizontal portion of the trunk, you know, mm-hmm. just like you want them to. Right. A couple of trees are still making it, but most of them, though, they're not. Yeah, which they're going to have to have sunlight, too, like what you're talking about. Yeah. So even yeah. if you hinge them perfectly and they got, and you still have the trunk connected to the roots well, mm-hmm. And they're still getting all that stuff, nutrients and whatever, and water. They still get out the sunlight. Correct. So yeah. you can do everything perfect if your canopy grows back over. You yeah. just might as well just cut it down. Yeah. I think uh, that's got to be what my problem was mm-hmm. the, the first time. You know, I just uh, didn't do enough. It shaded itself back in. The good that I did do, because for, for a couple of years it was pretty thick yeah. in that one spot. Yep. You know, I'm going to say uh, close to an acre yeah. uh, of a thick spot right in the middle there. Mm-hmm. And they use it. I mean, does were in there like crazy. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, when I would crawl in that stand, though it was too high, you know, seriously, 10, 15 of them, they take off out of there. It's like the Kentucky Derby started. <laughs> you know, the, there they go. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, it, uh, uh, I'd like to think I'm smarter now than I was, you know, hopefully when we did all that. Hopefully. Did um, you burn that woods last year? Yes, we did. I was thinking so. Um, so it really opened up the east end. Um because there was there was some thick spots on the east end where like fawns had tried to lay over there and stuff, you know. Um, once they get, uh, once the mothers had ran them away, once the does had ran them away, you know, mm-hmm. them things would just lay over there in a the little bit of thick spots, you know. Yeah. That's the only place that deer didn't really lay. 
And these fawns were like, hey, I guess we could stay here for a while, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, like, I'd kick them around over there when I was trying to get in and out. Burning that cleared that up. Um, but uh, uh, the burn, did it did pretty good for me. Yeah. Um, I probably would have tried to keep the fire off of them ridges because um, it did burn on them ridges where I'm going to hinge cut. Um, and, of course, it did open it up in there. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't thick to start with, you know. Um, but... Uh, burn dude, off a lot of your leaf litter and stuff too did. though uh, yeah, yeah i mean down to the ground it was so great. you're gonna see a benefit from that just from when you open that canopy up mm-hmm. sunlight actually reaching the yes. the dirt yes um which there was in the in the summer in there there was all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. growing and moisture you're gonna have more moisture in the ground too mm-hmm. whatever was sitting on top of all that leaf and stuff mm-hmm. it's gonna get to the soil um i killed most of that buck brush what mm-hmm. you would you say a coral berry? I think was what the mm-hmm. name of the stuff was. So. Um, but that stuff was just everywhere in there. It killed pretty much all of that, um, which I was wanting to, mm-hmm. especially on the east end. Uh, but now, uh, now if it comes back in this hinge cut stuff, that's fine. Um, right. I don't really care. I don't think. Um, no, it's not gonna hurt you any. No. And they'll eat. They would. They they'd pick on them leaves. Lack of other brows, especially if there's that. If they just have that this time of year, mm-hmm. they'll eat on that stuff and they'll eat. The little bit of the stems of it, kind of yeah. just for that woody fiber stuff, helps them digest and all that. Yeah. Which they're eating a lot right now because there's not much green left. Yeah. But they don't seek it out. I mean, it's not like something that you want to have for them. Yeah. It's just like if you have a little bit of it, it ain't that big a deal. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, considering a water hole in there mm-hmm. uh, by the by the south plot, considering a water hole there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll do it or not. Um I uh I know a couple guys that's got some little uh some little mini excavators. Mm-hmm. Um I think it'd probably take, I don't know, about half a day to drag one back there yeah. <laughs> driving it from the road. But right. anyway, it could be worth it. Yep. Um I listened to some guys, uh there's uh there's a company that makes liners. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's just like a tarp, you know, uh but somewhat special. Uh I think I forget how thick they said they were. Uh but I might do that. I might yep. dig me a hole back there. Um, they said having that in the woods, um, and, uh, they said a lot of times you'll get bucks to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, like Have some. you seen, uh, the way Sturgis does his? I don't guess. So he'll do like a, it's like one of those cattle, that's not a trough, but a like tub? those tubs. Yeah. 50, I don't know if they're 50 gallon or not, maybe mm-hmm. not even that big, 35 yeah. or something. Yeah. He just digs a hole big enough to put those in mm-hmm. and then puts a log in it so that coons and whatever don't get down there and die and not be able to get out <laughs> there's an idea <laughs> yeah so stick that in there for them to climb up in and out of it and then it'll be enough for them to come in and use it regularly and yeah when you need to fill it up if you have a way to do it like your side by side if you could put some kind of tank in the back of it drive mm-hmm. it back there fill it up and then leave yeah. and then you're not having you don't have a quite a big a hole yeah and they still use it a lot yeah and I think especially if you put it between, like if you think about putting it between your plots, because mm-hmm. a lot of times guys will put like a watering hole right in their food plot. Mm-hmm. Well, water isn't a, it's just kind of an attractive, an attractant just like a food plot is. Yeah. So instead of wasting two places that they might come to mm-hmm. in one spot, you can space them out a little bit yeah. and it gives them that much more reason to use whatever travel route you want them to use. Yep. If that makes sense. Yes. So. Uh, another... Another block in the, mm-hmm. uh, another stepping stone in the path. Yeah, another reason for them to go through that particular area. Yeah. So instead of going from this food plot, maybe 
whatever to the south mm-hmm. and then back up around. Maybe they go from this food plot. Okay, I remember there's a water up here. Hit that hole and go to the next food plot. Yeah. Instead of getting lost after yeah. after they hit the first one. Yeah. Um, I would put it, my stand's about 20 yards off of that south plot right now. Mm-hmm. I would put the water hole between me and the bedding. Um, I want it pretty close to bedding mm-hmm. um, in there, I think. Yeah. Um, Give them a reason that that might pull them out of bedding early too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, because I, I was, uh, my my thought on it was early season. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you know, uh, before we start getting some of the fall rains, because um, those creeks dry up. Those creeks oh, yeah. on me dry up. Yeah. Um, there's no springs or anything in them, uh, um, so those things dry up. Uh, if I and I was gonna make, I was gonna make a decent size thing. I was gonna order like uh, a thirty by thirty tarp, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if that'd give me a. I don't know if that'd give me a, a 15 by 15, you know, hole. And then I don't know, make it three foot deep or so. Right. Um, but anyway, I was going to order a decent size. I want to make sure and have a, a big enough tarp. Um, mm-hmm. But they say dig it and then put that that uh, that liner down and then, you know, flip dirt back over it. Yeah. Um, so they, on their hoofs, they, they feel dirt and mud instead of, right. you know, your liner. Or right. poke a hole in it Yeah. with their foot. Um, but I thought about that. Um, and there's a little spot I could do it. It'd be about a 25 yard shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be between the plot and the, uh, water hole, but the water hole would be there on the edge of all those white oaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought early season when they're on the oaks already, you know, if there's acorns, um, that, uh, that water would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I'm expecting the bucks to lay, I'm expecting the does to take over, um, the uh, switchgrass, the native grass stuff, I think they will because it'd be right on the edge of what's probably going to be a big plot. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably just camp right there. Mm-hmm. I got to do everything I can to not let them lay there in the east edge in the north woods. You know, um, right. I got to keep that clean. I don't want them to lay over there. Right, uh, that'd be that'd be bad for me uh, because that uh, one little low spot is how I can get around. Wouldn't have any access. Yeah, they'd mess me up there. Um, but I got to make sure that stays open. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'd also consider a water hole down there in the sprout patch. Mm-hmm. Um, in that one, I'd consider that cause that Creek dries up too. Yeah. And uh, even in the rut midday, like 11 to one o'clock, mm-hmm. you may catch them coming to hitting that water hole. Oh yeah. Especially in a year like this year, where as dry as it was, mm-hmm. they got to drink when they're running around all that. They're going to drink more than they would on a regular day if they're running around chasing does. Yeah. So it may be a place to come up. And I mentioned Sturgis. Uh, he's got all kinds of videos of bucks hitting those water holes midday. Mm-hmm. I mean, broad daylight, just walking right in there, 15, 20 yards of your stand, yep. drinking water. Yep. I've not heard anybody saying, uh, it's a bad idea. Right. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody that's done it. I don't think there's seems, much downfall to it. No. Nobody, at all. Nobody that's done it seems to regret if it. If you do it and it doesn't work, you're out some time. Yeah. But they got a drink. Yep. Food, water, and cover. Yep. You know, and... Like I said, even if a guy puts them in a food plot, it's not the worst thing in the world because they're mm-hmm. probably going to use it. It's just yeah. if you got to make one anyway, it's another place that you could potentially have them using yeah. instead of putting them together is all. Yeah. But, I mean, there's guys that put them together, and they work fine too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I definitely think that's probably that's a good idea as well for that reason because yep. it's just going to give them one more reason to be wherever you want them to be. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm thinking that I could keep bucks – uh, on the west end of the Northwoods, on those ridges, um, and then uh, also down there in the southwest corner, uh, where we where we knew that that buck I killed last year. Mm-hmm. Now that I know he stayed down there 
a lot um, from me finally easing back in there and and killing him. Yeah. Um, but I uh, man, I never go down there. Um, and that is a good. There's a good east facing ridge down there that they like to lay on. Um, it keeps them out of the wind. You know, coming across that uh, that big open field to the west there. Mm-hmm. There's that brushy top and the brushy hillside. I think I'm going to do a little more down there. Um, try to try to get that a little thicker. I might cut a few trees down on that hillside uh, to see if I can get that hillside just a little thicker. The top is thick. Yeah. If I can make the hillside just a little thicker, um, I really think they'll lay down there. Yeah. Um, and that's about the last thing I could do uh, for them on my place there. Because um, uh, down there, I mean, that's close to the property line. Um, but I can't hunt down there. Uh, I mean, you blow them out, you know. Yeah. If I can make that a good bedding area. The draw headed down there toward it. Um, I don't know. I might try to burn that as well and keep that open uh, and then try to use the creek to get in and out if they're not laying right there on the creek, but laying just a little further down in the cover that I've given them. Mm-hmm. You know, now if I if I do that, uh, I might be able to hunt that uh, the north end of that hillside. Yeah. Uh, that way I could, I could have another spot down there because I've always wanted to be down there. It's just, uh, it's too... It's too risky to get in there. Right. And I know it's not worth trying, you yeah. know, um, if I know I'm going to blow them out. Uh, but if I change it just a little, I think I could do it. Yeah, if you can get them laying just a little bit farther or where yeah. you want them to in a little bit better spot, yeah. then you can get down there at least on that fringe of it. Yep. Yep. And then from there, that would give me a, a solid, that creek would give them a solid travel corridor from the west end of the north woods all the way down to that brushy hillside. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be a... Probably a two hundred yard stretch for them, um, and I—I uh, I mean, they're gonna—that is what they're gonna use to get from that spot to that. And then once they get down there, just off of me, I mean, there's a whole other creek. You know, the creeks tie in together down there, mm-hmm. and I got a whole other creek system to run onto the neighbors one way or onto the other neighbors the other way. Yeah, you know where the creeks tee. Yep. Um, so that's—I uh, mean, either they leave me going that way or they come to me. You know, from that way. Um, so that, uh, that, that would be a definite travel corridor to bring them up into all of the new stuff that I'm wanting to give them. Right. And that would give you six, seven, eight good solid spots, different options mm-hmm. yep. to hunt. Uh, and I would, gosh, I wouldn't go down there until, I don't know, the end of the first week of November, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know, fifth, eighth, somewhere in there, you know, I wouldn't, I would not mess with that at all. Right. Um, but when the time gets there. And you get a good wind, that That'd could be, be one, a spot. Yeah, one of your spots that you crash in on. Yeah, on the best days. Yeah, yep, for sure. Um, I, uh, but yeah, these uh, the other spots uh, that I've already got. You know, um, they've worked good for a long time. Um, and you just uh, with a little bit that I've got, I do have a couple different access points. You know, I can come across the mm-hmm. field uh, from the uh, from the other way. I, I've got I've got good access points. But I just can't, the way it is, I can't go in any further. You know, I just want to stay yeah. right on the edge. Yep. Because um, i got to try to preserve everything that I do have. Um, but if there's ways that I can uh, that I can move where the deer aren't moving, you know, that'll give me more spots. Um, yeah. But it is, uh, like I said, about 70 acres that I'm really, really trying to work with, you know, um, out of that 100 that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that It can get pretty close sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, when... When you hear it, like 70 acres sounds like a lot, mm-hmm. but when you start to hunt it, then you can overhunt 70 acres really fast Yes, and put a lot of pressure on it 
you can put a lot of pressure on 200 acres in a hurry. Even that 160 that I hunt, just the way it lays out, there's only so many places I can go and set up. Mm-hmm. You could overhunt that really quick yep. put, by putting too much pressure on them and being a little too aggressive too early yep. on at the wrong times and blow deer out. So when you're talking about 70, 80 acres and less than that. And, and not very much of it is good cover. Right, exactly. Yeah. it's It can be really easy if you're not smart about it to push the deer off. And that's why sitting like you've got six to eight good places you can sit. Mm-hmm. If you spread them out and hunt them on different winds and you're not continuously getting blown out and deer busting you on the way in, on the way out when you're in the stand, you can make that 80 acres hunt a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit one stand a couple of days and you can go to the complete other end and sit another stand. Still got to be cognizant of your wind and all that. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to is every time you go in there, you're leaving something. Some kind of ground oh, scent yeah. and all that. So you're yeah. leaving them, you're giving them a chance to smell you, even if they don't bust you when you're in the stand. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if they're busting you while you're in the stand or you see them on the way in and out, you're hurting yourself. Yeah. If you go in there and they and you get in clean and you get out clean and they didn't see you or smell you, hear you while you were there, you probably didn't hurt too much. But mm-hmm. even that, you still gave them a chance because on your way in and on and out, yeah. you've left something. Yeah. So. And then that's not to mention deer that might have smelled you and just not you didn't know about. Yeah. You know, if there's always potential for a especially mature deer to get down the wind of you and smell you, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're not gonna make any noise, they're just gonna go the other way. Yes. So that's stuff you gotta think about when you're hunting like most of us are on forty, fifty, eighty acres, whatever it is, mm-hmm. hunting acres. Even if you're hunting four hundred acres, you know. If you've got even if you have a bunch of timber on four hundred acres and cover you still have to be smart about where you're going and not do it too much. Yeah. And yeah. then that gets magnified, like, on that 10 acres there at the cabin. Like, I feel like if there's just absolutely no deer moving, I'll, like, for a couple of days, I don't care to go there a third day in a row. But it is rare that I hunt that thing even two days in a row, let alone three. Yeah. Just because, and then I'll give it a week off. Because yep. if they're in there at all, they're within earshot, mm-hmm. you know. Every, and definitely yeah. within smelling me. Yeah, at most places, so I'm always real careful about that. Like I said, when you're hunting less than, if you're down to forty acres and less, then that everything just gets magnified about how often you can be in there and mm-hmm. and how much more careful you have to be. Yeah. So, I do think it's good though that you've got that many spots that it makes it hunt that much bigger. And I think what you're talking about doing is going to help make it hunt bigger too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways you can make a property seem bigger than it is. Like there's some. 40-acre properties that will hunt bigger than a 100-acre property. Mm-hmm. If it's 100 acres, mostly it's just set aside. What I mean, you don't have that much for them. No. If you've got 40 acres that's got some timber on it and it's got a little bit of CRP on it and it's got a little, some cover on it and you can put some food on it, uh, then you're talking. Yeah. You know, give me that 40 acres every day. Yeah. But every property is different. Yeah. So um, if that all, if mine all plays out the way I wanted, I'd have, oh, the way that I want them to use it, I would have over three quarters of a mile of uh, travel corridor, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to make that to make that big U shape, uh, like I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if I can, and I, I mean, there'd be food and bedding scattered all along that. Yep. Um, so I'd ha- I would want to hunt the spots uh, on the edges of that. You know, of course, I've already got spots on the food. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not really try to hunt the bedding. Um, I'd try to hunt the edge of it. You know. Um, uh, like I said, the 80 yards or so. Yeah. Um, and then, 
if at all, if they do use like from the sprout patch to the new uh, grass patch, um, if they use that good, there is one spot where there's a steep gully that runs down uh, there to the creek. Um, if there's a spot, you know, where I can slip in and out there, um, I would be on the east side of the creek. I expect them to be walking the west side of the creek. Mm-hmm. If I can get down there, you know, that could be another spot that I've never, ever tried. Yeah. Um, just simply hunting that travel corridor, uh, and that'd be a rut stand. Yeah. You know? Yep. But it might not work out at all. I don't know. Yeah, that's one of those things you're going to have to find out. And that's what I was, kind of what we talked about earlier. If every time you do something, it's going to change mm-hmm. the way they act, and hopefully the way you want them to. Yeah. But inevitably, something's going to be different than you expected. Oh, yeah. It's never going to go exactly the way you wanted it to. So that's adjustments you got to make throughout the season and then over for the next season, which is why it's so hard, especially if you go on a new property and you set things up to say, okay, this is going to be where you want to put your stand and the best stand. And in the past, we've tried to recommend areas where guys could sit and potential trees. Mm-hmm. But we always tell them, this might change. Yeah. Like you might get up here and sit and the deer are 50 yards farther than we thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you can't make that adjustment Yeah, because this is where we said you got to set the stand. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a general idea. Things are going to change. This is how we're assuming they're going to change. But the best assumption may be wrong. So you could still adjust to that. And a lot of times you have to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and where you're at, too, I was going to say it's big enough and there it is spread out enough that if you're hunting certain stands, you could be hunting two different groups of deer. I mean, you're going to see yeah. some of the same deer, but if let's say if you're on the right edge of another one's home range, mm-hmm. you're potentially going to have different deer to hunt on either side. Yeah. And unless you've got, so let's just take the 10 acres there at the cabin, unless it's just perfectly on the edge of two different travel corridors for deer, which I don't necessarily think it is then I'm hunting pretty much the same deer. If I blow them out, that's pretty much the same deer that would have been there the next time. That's something where if you have enough property or it's laid out right, <clears throat> if you're hunting, let's say, the north side of it, you might see different deer that you would never see on the south side of it. Mm-hmm. Because while they might travel an average of two two yard, two miles, you know, if you're already a mile and a half into their range, and you've got three quarters of a mile between the two different spots, they may not ever make it down to that other one. Yeah. So you're also going to have different, you're going to have the ability to hunt different deer from time yep. to time. Uh, I've had, oh, several different bucks I'd see on the west side, hardly ever see them on the east side, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yep. Um, like I talked about uh, oh, a couple podcasts ago when we was talking about how tough deer are. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one buck, uh, the neighbor's, uh, they did shoot him in the guts uh, in gun season. Uh, he would hit one camera on my very northwest corner uh, once every three or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that's the only camera he ever hit. Um, he never went to the other plots. He never went any other other places that I'm aware of. Um, except for the first time I saw him, um, he had to be staying in the corn uh, that was shelled north of me um, because when they started shelling that corn, he hit one camera and he camped on my food plot that night for mm-hmm. a while. He had to be staying up there somewhere when they started shelling that corn. Then he disappeared, and he only ever hit the one camera. Like, yeah. You know, I, yep. that was the only spot I thought I could ever, you know, do anything with him. Yeah. Um, to where, uh, yeah, if potentially, you know, the the creek systems, you know, I feel like the I'll have the west side and then the east side. Uh, it could be two different groups there. I yeah. really think it could be. And another thing is, too, like where you're at, where the terrain is, the way it is, if you have more cover, 
in closer area. Like if there's more cover throughout an area, it's going to be less likely that they're moving as far if mm-hmm. they've got the cover and food. Like up there on the north farm where I'm hunting that 160, mm-hmm. it is open, open country. Yeah, Deer will go two miles up there, no problem, mm-hmm. like in a split second. I mean, they're just, if you spook them, they can run all, they're going to run a long ways before they find more covered that they want to stop at. Correct. I mean, I see the same deer up there on the west side, as far west as I can see, as I will see sitting in the middle or on the east side, as far east as I can see. I'll mm-hmm. see the same deer. Yeah. And that's just because the lack of cover that's up in that area. Yep. So if they're moving from cover to cover, especially during the rut, looking for does, they're going to travel a long ways versus if you have a lot, of, a lot more cover in that area, they don't have to go near as far. Yeah. So they're they're not spending as much time moving in open area, so their distance is going to be shortened up, mm-hmm. which is another thing that goes into that. But that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about this week. I'll save the cabin project and then the planting stuff for another week because we're already almost at an hour. So mm-hmm. that'll be good enough for this week. Uh, guys, don't forget our sponsors for the podcast. If you want to support us and support yourself, your deer more specifically, you guys can check out our partners at Grandpa Ray Outdoors. They provide the best nutrition for the white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. They were started in 2015, but John's been in the seed nutrition business since 91. With over 14 different food plot blends to choose from, you're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for. They've got fall and spring blends, corn and, sp- corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits, you name it, they've got it. And they're not just about selling their products. They'll answer any questions you have about what blends would be best for your specific property. That way you can achieve the best results possible. John and his team don't believe in a cookie-cutter approach to wildlife nutrition. They'll treat you and your situation individually. So like I said earlier, every property is different. They're going to take that into consideration when they're making recommendations for what kind of seed is going to be best on your property in your situation. And they're not about a fancy label or package either. They're just about good quality seed and taking care of their clients. We've used their blends on tons of client properties all over the Midwest, into the the West, and even in the East, really, uh, and as far south as almost Tennessee. And, of course, we use them around here at home as well, and it's been as good as advertised. I mean, we, we've loved every blend that we've put down. We've had a lot of good luck with it. As long as Mother Nature's cooperated, they've been really good. That's why we started working with them in the first place, and that's why we're going to continue to work with them. So if you want to support us, while getting yourself some of the best seed in the business, go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use discount code RHOPODCAST. That's all lowercase, no spaces, and you'll get 5% off your order. Another way that you can support us while supporting your deer herd is to check out Rack's Big Game Supplements. They're a venture-known company out of northeast Nebraska. They're deer hunters just like you and me who are looking to get more out of the mineral and feed market than existed at the time they started developing their products. Through years of research, they came up with one of the best mixes available that's going to help improve your herd's overall health while not feeding non-target species. So there is a theme here between our first two partners. If you're wanting to improve your deer herd's overall health, give them nutrition, food, check these guys out. Uh, Rax has minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. If you want to support us, at RaxMineral.com, that's R-A-K-S-Mineral.com. Use the discount code R-H-O-22, all caps, R-H-O-22, at checkout, and you'll get 5% off your entire order. You can also go to our website, RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. Use the discount code R-H-O-Pod, that's all caps, and you get 10% off anything on there. So if you're wanting our clover and chicory blend that we really like, it's got some alfalfa mixed in there as well. 
You can get that for 10% off or anything else you see on the website. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like and comment on there. Getting really close to having some more content coming up. Hopefully some on what all Nate talked about today. We get out there and do some videos on that. We'll do some on the cabin project, which I'll talk about at some point on here again. We'll have a lot of stuff coming out. We'll have stuff from Jeff's property as well. And anything else that we're doing as far as uh, that side of things goes. I don't know. We may get try to shoot some video too if we do some shed hunting in the future. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But if you want to keep up with all that, again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. you got to hit the notification bell. That way you know when that stuff comes out. And then like and comment on the videos. That helps us out in the YouTube algorithm. Our other partner who we just picked up recently if you guys have been listening, you've heard about them. If this is your first time in a while, you've probably missed out on hearing about this new partner. Uh, it's Rodney Hawkins. I did mention him earlier. He's going to be up at the Illinois Deer Classic, I believe with Midwest Farm and Land is who mm-hmm. he's going to be with up there. Really, if you're looking for a piece of ground to manage and hunt and to practice some of these things we're talking about on for yourself – Dead Rodney's the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in Southern Illinois, and he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys haven't heard of them, they're not really your average real estate company. Last year, they sold over $85 million worth of ground. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois, so they're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them or any ground that may be available or just what you're looking for, have them keep an eye out. You can contact Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. Rodney's also recently started a new company called RG Outdoors. They currently carry hard and soft-shell blinds and blind chairs from Radix Blinds, in addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which you can get more info on at camodust.com. As for the blinds, Nate's actually spent a lot of time in one of the soft-sided Radix Blinds this season, and he was more than happy with how it worked out for him. If you're interested in anything they have to offer, you can send them a message through their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. Email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com. Or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. That's going to do it for us for this week, guys. Again, make sure you check out the Iowa Deer Classic. I think you just type that into Google and it'll bring it up. You can get some tickets to go to that. And we'll catch you guys again next Monday.